So for this week, I wanted each of us to come up with what we think is a limiting belief that we have and then break that down a little bit further so where you think that original belief might have originated from or that, that narrative, where it come from, how it affects your day-to-day life right now and then how you can impose something to change that belief or if it is affecting your life in a negative way, how can you flip the narrative so it affects your life in a positive way. And then on top of that as well, um, for each of us, we had to come up with what we think our mate's limiting belief might be. So it's almost subconsciously ingrained to the point where if it's not serving you and it's defining you in a negative way, then it's limiting. So how do you really identify it? And that's what I found difficult in this exercise, identifying one of or a few of our own limiting beliefs. And I sat on my bed and just genuinely asked myself, like, am I okay? And I had to sit there and I was like, I'm not okay. Like, I can't get blind on myself. Like, I'm not okay. Like, I need help. Like, something's wrong. And I just didn't know... I didn't know which direction I had to go to fix it, but I just knew something wasn't right. Recognising it is one thing, actioning it is another. Another, G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. I'm your host, Bradley J. Driver. Of course, you can call me Brad. To kick us off, I wanted to pay my respects and acknowledge the traditional custodians of Darawal country, the land on which we meet and share story on A Lot To Talk About. As a passionate storyteller, I recognise the rich history that story holds within Aboriginal culture, and I hope that as a people we can use the power of storytelling to connect many cultures that now share this beautiful land we call Australia. We're here today, um, the three mates, myself. The three mates, Katiz. I like that. I I like that. I've never said that before, but I've always said it. Go ahead, introduce yourself while you're on that freestyle flow. Oh, shit, you put me on the spot here. Um, Joey Soho, Joey Zoolander, Joe Plum. Um, pleasure to be here again. Um, absolutely have loved the last two episodes among the many conversations that us three boys have had. And, yeah, excited to, to jump into this next topic um, and theme, which will be introduced by our second mate's Katir. Ty, Typhoon Fooney. So excited to get in this one today. Went for a walk on, I think it was Wednesday, just to mm. discuss this topic a little bit more openly and landed on the topic of limiting beliefs. So excited to get into this one. Yeah, definitely. I think the beauty of the three of us getting together is, like we've spoken about on the pod before, that strength of connection we have as mates already mm. brings through a really vulnerable space for us to connect, converse, chat, bring up topics safely and that will be part of what we do today to to not only recognize our own limiting beliefs or what we see as limiting beliefs but open the floor to you know the other two mates to address potentially what they may see as a limiting belief in you which I I know before has played a real role in helping me get through some stuff when Foons and I have sat down for a coffee and you know he's brought to the table a few things that he's seen holding me back in my life and the beauty of that and I guess for anyone listening watching if you've got great mates that come from a great place, when they share those thoughts with you, you know, you can be vulnerable, you can connect with that. And it, maybe it doesn't hit. Maybe it's something you don't recognize or see in yourself. Mm-hmm. But if it does, it gives you the safety and the support to work through that. And for me, I've had that safety and I've felt that safety and support from mates and from you originally, Ferns, when you brought that up to move through some of those challenges, which for me at the time was just seeing my CF as a badge of honor when I got on stage and done my work. 
but then seeing it as a limiting belief in connecting in a relationship. You know, it's funny because that was probably maybe nine or so months ago. And then, you know, now four months later, um, or four months into, I should say, an incredibly loving relationship where I'm not being held back by that. So yeah, I'll just elaborate that on a little bit. So we sat down with Brad and had a coffee and we'd already organized to discuss limiting beliefs that we think we have about each other. And then I could just see it almost like clear as day. Like you would always wear your CF as a badge of honor when you spoke on stage or speak about it in any form of your life, except when it comes to dating, you're very insecure about it. Mm. So I think me just bringing that to the light for you allowed you to see it in a different way. And I can't take credit for the relationship that you're in now, but <laughs> but you do the math. Um, I like that. You do the math. It, yeah. If you don't mind me chiming in, I think the key based off of what you've, you've both just said, in order to be able to receive that, what feels like criticism, which in reality is just your friend illuminating something to you, which you might not be capable of seeing. And a lot of our beliefs are just, or our beliefs are just these truths, personal truths that we've, you know, we've picked up through childhood, through um, the teachings of our parents, through our own personal experience that we harbor as the truth, capital T truth. Mm. So it's almost subconsciously ingrained to the point where if it's not serving you and it's defining you in a negative way, then it's limiting. So how do you really identify it? And that's what I found difficult in this exercise, identifying one of or a few of our own limiting beliefs. It's tough to do because it's subconscious at times. Mm. So until you have friends, family, and an inner circle that can, with love, identify those for you. That's the first part. But the second part is trusting that they're doing it with love because it can be triggering. If people are going to point out what feel like flaws, insecurities, insecurities, um, you know, it's it's really the recipe to be triggered when the, the truth or even their truth is put on a platter being like, hey, I feel like this is what you're doing and I feel like this is how it's not serving you. Man, that could be your whole identity. Your whole life has been like, well, you know, my CF is my badge of honor and shit, he's telling me that now I'm insecure about in relationship and yeah, that's hard to swallow. But if you don't have the trust that your friends are doing it from a good place, you're never going to be able to receive that criticism. So I feel like um, that's what we're doing here. Yeah, and it can even be difficult delivering that information. Like for me, it was like telling Brad that, like I didn't know how it was going to be received, but just mm. for me, I knew it was coming from a good place. Yeah. And that's so important because, you know, you you can navigate relationships in order to please your friends and, and to make them comfortable and to, to make sure that, you know, there's never discomfort. But that's not that's not how relationships really should be. And one of my core values just in my life is radical honesty and communication. And I feel like that has um, there's so much trust in that when you're like, okay, that was kind of a shitty thing to hear, but... Funi told me that because he was being honest with me and because I trust that he loves me. And hey, he's my friend, so I'm going to actually take this on board. I respect him enough to take it on board. And then if you have that outlook, from my experience, then things look better for you. You, you do lean into the growth and development, but having the trust in the people that are giving you the information is probably the first key. Outside of that, you're not going to listen to it. If someone tells me that isn't in my circle that I don't know and love, it's really just going to be like, ah. Oh, you know shut up dickhead yeah yeah like 
Like I'm not, I'm respectfully. not, I'm not re- <laughs> yeah, respectfully, I'm not receiving it because what do you know? Yeah. Even if it's true, even if it, they can see it plain as day, this is you're one probably, of your limiting beliefs. Probably more likely to reject it if it is true. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. But yeah, yeah think, so I think that was the key for you being able to receive that, Brad, as difficult or, or challenging as it might have been. That you knew Funi was giving it to you out of love. Definitely. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And, you know, you spoke about something there in, in those words, Joey, about the challenge in this exercise today. And if you're listening to this, if you're watching this and you're wondering what today's exercise is, or maybe if you're wondering where exercise plays a part in the podcast itself, if you've listened to one of or both of the first episodes we had in the Three Mates segment of the podcast of the show, you'd realize that homework is a part of what we do every week. And we found that the homework, without too much context or without too many rules or regulations allowed us all to bring a very unique perspective to the table about the day's topic Mm -hmm. and i'm going to hand it over to you ferns because you formulated the homework for this week so you can address what the homework is and then maybe kick us off with your answers so for this week i wanted each of us to come up with what we think is a limiting belief that we have and then break that down a little bit further so where you think that original belief might have originated from or that that narrative where it come from how it affects your day-to-day life right now and then how you can impose something to change that belief or if it is affecting your life in a negative way, how can you flip the narrative so it affects your life in a positive way. And then on top of that as well, um, for each of us, we had to come up with what we think our mate's limiting belief might be. So um, I suppose I can just jump straight into mine. Go for it. Go nuts. So I'll tell the story of when I was, back when I was an engineer, I worked for a large corporate company and I was very blessed that they had a, a massive training budget and it was Are You OK Day? And this was kind of at the point in my life where like metaphorically rock bottom, like I was felt in my head, I was under a lot of pressure, like I was always angry, like I just wasn't happy. And I remember going to, they had someone come and speak to us at work and I remember like pretty hesitant to go to it like didn't really want to go to it but i was like oh there's a free lunch i'll go listen there maybe i'll take some in but like not really in the mood to hear it can't really remember what she spoke about the lady but i just remember when i went home that night i sat on my bed and just genuinely asked myself like am i okay and i had to sit there and i was like i'm not okay like i can't get blind on myself like i'm not okay like i need help like something's wrong and i just didn't know i didn't know which direction i had to go to fix it but i just knew something wasn't right i didn't know what was wrong i just knew it wasn't right so I went to work the next day and has um, had a chat with my boss and he was like, um, when I was an engineer, we're entitled to three, um, you can go see a psychologist for three three free sessions. So I just had a chat with him. I was like, how do I book in for these sessions? Like, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not um, at the edge, but like, I could be better. Like, I want to speak to someone. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of at the point, probably, yeah, I think mentally I was at my lowest, went and had a chat to a psychologist and that was kind of the catalyst that made me instead of constantly looking for answers outside, made me look inside and realize that all my anger and aggression in my early 20s was basically just a facade to cover up all my insecurities. So that was kind of what got the ball rolling then. And then from there, I've kind of been on a a quest to try, yeah, just get my mental health as good as I can. So as part of that, I started reading a lot of books and started realizing that a lot of my beliefs in my head, I was like, where did this even come from? Do I even believe this? Is this even real? How is this serving me? Like, how could I get better? So from there, um, that was about five or six years ago. So from there, I've done a lot of work to get to where I am. And I reckon the three limiting beliefs that I'm struggling with the most at the moment, are I need a reason to be happy. 
I've got a lone wolf mentality and self-love. So I'll elaborate on those a little bit more. So I need a reason to be happy. Like growing up as a kid, it was almost like for me to receive love, I had to achieve something external. So it always felt like my happiness was attached to external achievements. So in my head, I would not be happy until I did achieve something external. So that was kind of how it felt like I received love from my parents. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like I wasn't, for me to be 100% going after whatever goal that I was, it was like I would restrict myself from being happy until I achieved that goal, so I'd be more focused on it. But the downside of that is you're constantly miserable until you achieve the goal. You're happy for two seconds, and then you go back to being miserable, miserable almost. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the, the metaphor for life is like enjoy the journey now that I realize it's like be happy and achieve your goals. Don't wait until you achieve your goals to be happy, which sounds probably pretty cliche, but it has, like, in my mind, that has such a detrimental effect to my happiness. If you, if you don't mind me asking, what what was the um, the kind of the reward for achieving the goals and what were the goals that you felt like validated you? Um, well, anything. Like, growing up as a kid, I raced motocross professionally, so okay. it was kind of like my happiness was achieved through results through only. Sport. Through okay. sport only. Like, if I won, I was happy. If I didn't win, I would make myself angry so that I was focused on winning more. And did like, you feel like that was reinforced? Like, oh, know, through, yeah. Friends from, being happy when you're winning or... Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Or everything, like, even, like, marks at school, like, all those kind of things. It kind of just... That's how, at a young age, I developed that. And as I got older, I realized, like, it's not, not serving me at all. And I was flicking through a book the other day and I got to the... I wrote down my first um, my first limiting belief as I need a reason to be happy. And I was flicking through a book that I read, like, two years ago. And the first page that I flicked to, I had an underline. And this is what the underline was. Make feeling good your expectation. You don't need a reason to feel good. You're alive. You can feel good for no reason. Mm-hmm. Mm. and that was the first page i flicked to i was like damn that sums it up so well can i can i just mention something that firstly i want to say the way you articulated the start of that that was moving like for me to sit there and hear that i connected with that and it's made me think deeper about what even i wrote down today but just what you're talking about there i think so many people would relate to this feeling of needing to achieve needing to have to be truly happy and I've heard Ben Crow, which if you've ever listened to the podcast, and as you guys would know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ben Crow and the work that he does. Ben Crow's a mindset coach, and he often talks about how as human beings, we have two parts of ourselves, the human being and the human doing. And often we wrap our self-worth in the human doing, which mm-hmm. is the result-driven part of who we are. Like it's the Brad Driver that sits down as a podcast host it's the brad driver that steps on stage or the brad driver that runs a marathon and the challenge with wrapping up our self-worth in the human doing is it's great when we're achieving results because we feel fulfilled and we feel as though we can be happy but when things aren't going to plan then your self-worth falls away with it just at the mercy of the results definitely and he speaks about learning to and actively taking part in connecting our self-worth to our values which is the human being and that's been a huge learning curve to me but as you know as i'm sitting here hearing you say that ferns i recognize that element in what you said so simply but so beautifully yeah well definitely what you're saying then summarizes exactly what i'm saying like my my happiness was was attached to something external that's somewhat out of my control i do have control over it but I don't have complete control over it. So it's like I'm basically stressing over stuff that I don't have full control 
control over. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so what you just said there, Brad, like aligning to your values, I'm just trying to, I'm thinking out loud. So as I just mentioned, you know, one of my core values is honesty. So you can't really do honesty. You have to be honest. Mm. For sure. So I like that. So it's like, like, I'm doing honesty. Like I'm doing more honesty. No, <laughs> you're not really, you can't human do honesty. As a human being, I can just be honest. Perfectly And that's set. in my control. Yeah, you know, I like that. Like if you're living in line with your values, when you go to bed at night, whether you're won or lost at whatever you're trying to achieve external, yeah. if you've lived in line with your values, you can go to bed at night, put your head on the pillow and you've done, you've done as good as you can. Yeah. You should be happy. Is yeah. that McConaughey quote right? An honest man's pillow is his peace of mind. Mm. It sums it up well. Yeah. yeah. I'll throw that back to you then, Foons, to continue so, on. So my second limiting belief that I think I struggle with at the moment is lone wolf mentality. So growing up as a kid, I didn't feel like I had anyone that I could talk to or express my emotions to. So to, as I was growing up, I kind of was like, if anything's got to be done, I feel like I have to do it myself, which I think in its essence is a great strength, but it has like a glass ceiling. You can only get so far before you need to ask for help. So I think I can definitely notice that now in starting a business that I can feel myself at the, the limit of the glass ceiling because think of any person that's achieved anything great in their whole life, they've never, they've never done it just by themselves. There's always a team around them. Like, even, like one person might get the credit for something amazing, but I guarantee you there's a team behind them that's helping them. Mm-hmm. That's something that I'm struggling, that I have struggled with is like if something's going to get done, I just do it myself. It's not that I think I can do it better than anyone else. It's just that's just my mentality. I was like, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. So I think I've got to the point now where I need to get better at asking for help. Mm. So there's mm. definitely ego ego involved with that. But now that I know that it's at, like it's a it's something that I'm conscious of now, I can, I can work on it. Like when I get stressed and be like, oh, fuck it, I'll just do this myself. I just need to take a step back and then be like, no, ask for help. How do you think that aligns with what we chatted about last week with masculinity? Because that seems like a very, um, you know, traditionally, quote unquote, traditionally masculine thing to do. Like, yeah, as I said, like I'll, I'll do it myself, I'll suck it up, I'll get the job done. Asking for help almost would have seemed um, foreign no. if you're living in an imbalance of masculinity. Yeah, well, I think, well, as I said at the start, like it still has, in essence, is a good trait, mm-hmm. but you can only go so far. Mm-hmm. So I think like I don't want to get rid of that completely. Like I still want to have that independence. Like I, I'm, gonna will, I'm willing to push myself into any situation, but also have the willingness to ask for help. Yeah, I think that's where, and when, when I was thinking about my limiting beliefs as well, I wrestled with some of them because they almost seem serving. You're mm. like, well, that's a good thing to have, right? But at a point, it becomes limiting. Mm. So some of them if you wrestle with being like, well, if I just try to re- completely remove that belief that being independent and solo is is the way forward, if I try to completely remove that, what am I? just completely dependent and just need to always ask for help. Well, it's not really that. It's like a reframing of the belief. Yeah, just a tweaking. Yeah, a tweaking. So that's where... Amendment. Yeah, an amendment. I was asking myself like, all right, we identify these limiting beliefs. What do we do now? Do we just try our absolute best to just remove them? That might be kind of impossible. All right, well, what do you do? You reframe them or do you just understand them better and be conscious when they're showing up? And yeah, so... I had the similar thing with some of mine of being like, well, inherently that's kind of a good trait. On the outskirt, it looks like it's serving and it's not really limiting, but at a point it does become limiting and it's not sustainable, like you were saying. Yeah. So, so I yeah. think well, like 
when I was an engineer, that never come to the surface. But now that I'm trying to start my own business, I can definitely feel like I've reached that limit now. Yeah, okay. I need to get a lot better at asking for help. Yeah. Mm. So I think there's definitely ego involved with that. So I think it's just something I just need to be conscious of and practice more. Mm. Definitely. You mentioned there were three. What's that third limiting belief? And the last one's self-love, which might sound a bit cliche. Like growing up as a kid, like I didn't... Like I had unconditional love in my life, but it just didn't come from my primary resources. And like as a kid, when you don't receive love from who you think you should receive love, for, love from, it's hard not to take personally. Mm-hmm. So I've always felt like I've never really fully approved myself from a young age. Then as I grew up, like that faulty belief just got worse and worse. And it's kind of like to speak metaphorically, if I had an angel on one side of my shoulder and then a devil on the other, if the angel's not prevalent or present then the devil like comes alive that's what it feels like like i feel like the last well definitely through my early 20s it felt like i was almost controlled by the devil right yeah mm. so like definitely like a, a lack of um a lack of self-love and i think definitely once i started drinking alcohol and everything else like that kind of just was a catalyst like threw a match on the fire mm. and definitely yeah made some decisions that weren't very good and then i was lucky at, at the point when i felt like i was at my lowest I was able to see, well, are you okay day? And that was kind of at the point I was able to rebound and start. Like the path that I was going down, I think the, the path that I was going down, I was going to end up dead or in jail. There were only two outcomes. And I was able to catch myself early enough to realise that if I keep going down this path, nothing's good is going to happen. But then when I turned around to realise how much work I had to do, I was like, holy shit, how did I get here? So the limiting belief was, like what, what did you believe? That. I believe that I, I wasn't worthy of love. Wasn't worthy of love. Okay. And then when I d- had that, like my self worth was very low. I feel as though when my my self love was low, I had a tendency to self sabotage. So now it's just trying to like this is very cliche, but have like compassion for myself, know that I'm worthy, and also because I didn't think I was, I from my point of view, I didn't accept myself when other people around me would give me love, I'd kind of reject it. So now it's just being open to receiving love from all kinds, mates, family, friends, and then just having a lot more compassion for myself. And with that, like you can only value something. It's hard for us to value things as egotistical beings, to value things higher than ourselves. So you only really have the capacity to love as much as you do yourself. So if you don't love yourself, what the fuck am I going to do, be out here loving other things? No, you become destructive. (laughs) I'm self-sabotaging me, so I'm probably going to be, you know, sabotaging other people's, other people's lives. Um, you know, you, yeah. If I can't love myself, then I'm probably not going to be capable of sharing too much love outside of yeah, myself. What's the saying? Treat others how you want to be treated. Mm. I reckon that's false. Treat others how they want to be treated. Mm. Mm. Yeah, to a degree. Um, when you don't love yourself when people give you love you don't know how to accept it like i wanted people to treat me like shit almost because that's how yeah, subconsciously okay. i treated myself yeah and that's like sorry that excites me um <laughs> only because it because it kind of reaffirms this belief system model like core belief loop i've been looking at it recently yeah elaborate and so um ultimately our beliefs uh self-fulfilling so the belief that i'm not loved or i'm not worthy of love moves into the way you behave and the way you navigate the world which as you're saying ty was like self-sabotaging destructive toxic 
And so with those behaviors, the results you get are usually negative. The reinforce. Yeah, negative, beha- negative results to the negative behaviors, which then leads itself back into the belief, which is, well, I'm not worthy of love. And just reinforces that loop again. Which means the behaviors are shitty, mm. the results are shitty. To tell you, yep, the belief's correct. And I think like every time I did a loop around it, burnt into my brain that belief you like, got see? deeper and deeper and deeper until I got to a point I was like shit I yeah. need to get out of here yeah. <laughs> like if, if you feel stuck yeah wow because yeah and there's so much power in that because the only thing which is constant there because the behaviors can change and the results can vary but the belief if it remains shitty or limiting or not self-serving then your world's going to look like shit yeah, when you said like that it just sounds so like change the, the belief the belief's almost the foundation that's, for change that's the the root so i feel like that's what we're doing now is we're trying to identify the root belief and then reframe that or add a new belief and then guess what our behaviors will change naturally because that's what we believe i believe that i'm a good runner so guess what i'm going to probably be out there running regularly i'm going to be buying good running shoes i'm going to be you know trying to reinforce that belief good diet not smoking good diet, not good smoking sleep. and then the results whoa shocker the results start getting good my running times mm. look great and then that reinforces the belief that i'm a good runner and then by by design i'm a good runner and i believe that and now it's positive it's not limiting so it's just that belief if you can just catch that belief rip it out at its core if it's not limiting and then change it yeah i'm excited i'm kind of thinking and rambling in real mm. life because it's just like man the belief is the key what you believe will yeah it's true so someone says i'm not this well yeah you're not that that's what you believe you're not that yeah like a, a quote by jim quick he said if you fight for your limitations you get to keep them yeah Ooh. <laughs> you get to keep wow. them they're all yours <laughs> you're all those if you believe you're a piece of shit then yeah you get to keep mm. that belief you probably will be you know the the crazy thing about this is i'm sitting here hearing this it resonates so much and every time I get on stage, the first lesson I talk about in my life is when my parents turned their back on the doctor that said my life would be ruined because of CF. Mm. They taught me the first lesson and the most powerful lesson I've ever learned in life well before I knew it, that what you believe is what you'll become. And even in recognizing that lesson, even in understanding the power that that's held within my own one part of my life, I still face the challenge of feeding these limiting beliefs. And I think that's almost the disclaimer that recognizing it is one thing, actioning it is another. Another, And that's probably the thing that in, in some areas of my life, not all, but in some areas of my life, which I'll get into when I address my limiting beliefs, and I'm sure you guys will open me up to some of those that you see in me too, but it's, actioning that is really important recognizing first actioning Mm. if i go to another ben crow thing right he talks about confidence and he says that confidence relates to the abcs first there's self-acceptance then there's self-belief then there's self-confidence and it has to happen in that order so it's first accepting or recognizing in this case what is a limiting belief then creating the belief in a positive form using that belief to then positively impact your life and then through that that reaffirming circle the results allow you to have that self-confidence mm. it's it's so interesting yeah the belief becomes concrete mm. simple yeah. as abc that's, that's it just, <laughs> that's all it is baby it's the alphabet that's all it is 
I'll, I'll ask Foons, are you ready for us? Yeah, I'll take a, a backseat here now and you can uh, go for it. I'll, I'll kick it off. Us? That made it intense, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Well, I'll, I'll kick it off. But I want to say before I kick it off, we spoke at this, the top of the episode around doing this from a place that's safe, doing this from a place of love. And man, sitting there hearing that, the audience will never truly understand. They can sit, they can listen, they can watch. But the people on the other side of this podcast will never truly understand who the three of us are unless they have a personal connection with us in our lives. And I would think that over the last couple of years, we've become very good mates. You're one of my best mates. And I would say that I know you pretty well. We've spoken about pretty much our whole lives, right? We've, we've been very vulnerable as mates. The growth that I recognize in you, Foons, sitting there hearing that, and like the way that you've done that, that was so beautifully articulated and described and so thoughtful that I almost feel potentially a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit ashamed about how I've <laughs> gone about recognizing my own living beliefs. I think you've done such a good job there, and I just want to celebrate that. I think Farah, you got so much to be proud of in your own life, and that's why as I get into what I recognize, and I've I've sort of gone down the line of one and maybe it relates to a few of the things that you spoke about but I feel like you deserve to hear this because you know as your mate I want to see you have forward progress in life so I've written this like a bit of a narrative Foons a little while ago you told me that you believe your true purpose on earth is to be a dad you then recognize that you have to create a relationship in order to do that I know that you've started to open yourself up to potential relationships, but I feel as though the frustration you hold within yourself for who you used to be is blinding you from seeing the man that you are now. I don't know anyone in my life who's grown as much as you have. The personal challenges you face would cripple most, but you continue to show up and put your best foot forward. Relationships are tough. They can challenge you. They require growth, compromise, selflessness, but above all, they thrive in forward motion. And I would say that the limiting belief I see in you is you don't recognize how far you've come. Well, it means a lot. I appreciate that. No, honestly, I, I think I see, I see so much in you that as a mate has helped me through so much difficulty and you potentially don't recognize that value that you've had for other people. No, like I, I do find it hard to pat myself on the back. Mm. I appreciate that. No, pleasure. Joey. Oh, really, um, Yeah, I'll, I'll second that as well, Foons. Like, we often, um, we can intellectualize how far we've come. You know, oh, I start reading books, now I'm doing singing lessons, and I'm, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm meditating, and I'm doing these things. But if the core belief is that you're still not this person that you are now, that you're still, you know, um, you're not completely in love with yourself then yeah it, it kind of it kind of doesn't actualize but i will second that and i hope that it can reaffirm that we believe that you are i don't know you before yeah now so it's hard for me to relate when you say when you speak about the person you were yeah but it's, um as you say that like i previously in my early 20s like somewhat identified as a bad boy like mm -hmm. I kind of identified it and leaned into it because I was able to cover cover up all my insecurity insecurities with that identity yeah gotcha. but now that I'm letting go of that identity 
I have to let go of it and now and realize that I'm a normal human being and I'm vulnerable to human emotions. So mm-hmm. like the hesitant hesitancy to let go of that identity is just based on the fact that when I get rid of it, I'm vulnerable like everyone else. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But no, I appreciate that feedback because it means a lot. I, I do struggle with giving myself credit for stuff that I've done. So it means a lot coming from a, another perspective. I definitely deserve it. Alrighty. And so, Funi, I also wanted to um, just say this out of respect for your situation and, and, you know, and the people in your life and not want to um, expose anything too personal, but um, based off of what you've spoken about as well, you've addressed a little bit of it already. So I said, I wrote here, so Funi, I think that you may be limited by the belief that you weren't fully loved as a child. And you mentioned they're not being loved by the people that you felt like should have loved you. But with that belief that you weren't fully loved, um, I'd offer you to reframe the belief that the people who didn't love you, quote unquote, who didn't love you, did love you, but they were maybe just incapable of loving you the way that you wanted to be loved and then that you needed to be loved. But they were doing the best that they could with what they had and what they knew. So these people may not have known another love for themselves based off of potential love that they didn't receive. But the love that they were giving you was was communicated in a language that they only knew how. So the belief that you weren't fully loved, I would like you to reframe with that you were fully loved, but in a way that just maybe didn't feel like you needed to be loved I, I agree with that 100% and it takes me back to a session I had with a psychologist um, I just read the five love languages mm-hmm. and I've kind of said like I didn't feel loved as a kid growing up and then the psychologist basically said exactly what you said almost to a T saying you were loved you were just loved in a way that you didn't receive love so now it's mm-hmm. like anyone born into my situation would have got the same treatment it's hard not to take personal but i can't take it personal mm-hmm. like I, I know i'm an amazing person if i think back to the person i was when i was two or three like i was an amazing person i know that person's in me mm-hmm. it's just trying to overcome that the false narrative in my head where i just because i didn't receive love as a kid in the way that i wanted to receive love my self-worth was based on that yeah and i, I know it's a false narrative it's just trying to rewrite that that's etched so deep into my psychology and into my subconscious sorry yeah. just trying to overcome that yeah well i think that's the work that's been done now yeah you know? like you said if you can acknowledge that that etching in your psyche is is what needs to be worked on um i think that's the way forward but we look at based off of a limiting belief like that we look at how it might manifest in your life and based off of what you've told me seeking love that you might not have felt like you were receiving comes in the form of these short-term like dopamine rushes through substance abuse, through um, one night stands, sex, through fighting, fighting. Yeah, yeah, like these weird, and it's weird to say even fighting, but these weird feelings that you might get from these destructive self-sabotaging yeah, behaviors, like, almost like mask or disguise themselves as love. You know, whether it's a group of mates that you're going out and doing reckless things, it's like, well, they love me. Like yeah. they're rewarding me and they're giving me that good feeling that. I would get which I really which I really wanted to get in the home um, but like we said without with that core belief that might be a little bit corrupt or in, or limiting it um 
it's not sustainable trying to live those other narratives mm-hmm. out, the it's behaviors like, out. It's not sustainable. You can only go around that loop so many times before you start getting in trouble by the law. Yeah, and like you said, before you start getting in trouble with the law, or you lose yourself, or you end up, you know, in prison or jail, it's like it's so crazy that one small limiting belief of you know I'm not worthy of love plays out to you know in all these destructive ways. But that was one that I think. Um, no, definitely, I really appreciate that feedback, boys. Well, yeah. Honestly, you do. and you are, bro. You are worthy of love, and you you do deserve to be loved. And yeah, I appreciate it. And I, hope I you think know that. just as you said that, there's a Joey like that. Joey, I didn't say <laughs> Zoolander. <laughs> it's um, you said there about those things that soon you've spoken about becoming behaviors off the back of you know that limiting belief of I'm not worthy of love. The things you spoke about were like fighting, sex, drinking those things are all part of the human doing, which then come back to that, you know, you need to earn your love or you need to earn, you know, yeah, it's like the rewards, the rewards that come through an activity. And whilst those rewards were toxic rewards in that world, coming back to those values that you hold for yourself is what will allow you to to have love in the human being. Mm. So, yeah, um, you know, I I feel like that was... A beautiful little segment. No, I appreciate it. Just um, reinforces what I already knew but didn't know enough. Like it reinforces what I need to know. I appreciate it. And if you don't mind, I'll just tack on. I wrote a little thing. I guess this was just an insight based off of what I just mentioned. But I wrote here, I said, I think the beautiful thing that as we get older though is that we are better able to communicate and build relationships that we can still develop the connections that we may have felt were missing as children. So with this, with the maturity, we can give space for those people in our lives to show up now, how we have now communicated, we'd like them to show up. So the maturity allows this, but maturity also allows us to realize the unsustainability of those short-term fixes that we're mimicking the love. So, you know, we can only sustain true worth, peace and meaning if we reconstruct the belief from the inside out and attempt to address it. Because if we attempt to address it from the outside in, with hopes that it will fix it, it's probably not going to work out. But we still can have time now and space because, mm. you know, not to sound too woo-woo, but, you know, people, catching people at different points in their journey, they might not have been able to show up for you then. Same way as that we might not be able to show up for people now. But if you still have an ability to, to like, nurture that connection, open up the space and communicate to them how you'd like them to show up, there's still like reparations to be made there from those people in your life. So, um, yeah, the connection might still, can still be established later in life, I think. I have to say, in terms of love, every time you say something, Joey, it makes me think of something else to say and I feel like this is going to be my last piece for you, Ferns. You spoke there about recognising the past and how it allows us to show up in the present and the future for those people in our lives. And I think sometimes our pain becomes our purpose and you spoke about your purpose what you recognize as your true purpose in life which may not come into play yet because you're not a dad but you said to be a dad and I would even add to be a loving dad because I think you Mm. recognize what has caused you so much pain up until now and will still challenge you in parts of your life but I think the ability to hop on the other side of that and do that for other people selflessly to be of service to a child of your own. I think 
that love, that love that you have, that love that you're able to give as a dad. And I would say, even if you just connected back to your values to give love to others, cause you do that for us as a mate. I just, yeah, I can see that so much of that being your purpose. And yeah, I think pain sometimes formulates the purpose that we hold mm. in our lives. Definitely appreciate it, boys. Pleasure. Who's up next? You can sure. now uh, take the stand or, or leave the stand, Fernie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take it. And Brad can take the stand. I'll say that I struggled a little bit with this one. I think there are... Is that because you're perfect? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely, um, it definitely challenged me. It challenged me because... You know, as you spoke about Foons, when we sat down the last time that we'd done this over a coffee, you know, I was in a time of life where I sabotaged every potential relationship that was ahead of me because I felt as though there were challenges in my life that wouldn't allow me to to have love. Insecurities. For sure, insecurities, challenges, fears of the future. And I'm now four months into an incredibly loving relationship that has re-inspired and reconnected me with the future purpose desire to be a dad to have children that i can love and look after and create a life so similar to what my family created for me to you know to love someone else and to feel safe and as though i can be vulnerable with my partner and so i feel like so much of what we addressed then i've been able to work through but as i sat and really thought about what's challenging in me in my life and what behaviors are limiting me it allowed me to recognize potentially what I see as some of my limiting beliefs. I think for a bit of context, most people would know, but before coming down this path of podcasting and speaking, I was in real estate. I was in a career that was on the up and starting to become fruitful. And it was a career that promised huge financial reward. But whilst I was in that career, I had no connection to purpose, you know, I've spoken about on occasions before sitting in my car and crying before work, leaving work in tears, even going back to work in real estate for three months whilst I was in the middle of struggling a bit financially through um, my current plans and, and purpose. I found myself just so empty. And I think I've had this limiting belief that I can't be living a life on purpose and be financially sustained at the same time that almost money and purpose don't live within the same place or the same environment for me. And, you know, at the moment, to be potentially too honest, financially, it's very tough. You know, like I'm, I would say, I was going to say I don't cry much, but I feel like that would be a lie. I'm a, I'm a pretty emotional character. And, you know, I think the emotion, the vulnerability is a strength of mine, but I found myself when I was away on, on my trip with Soph, we were in Noosa for a couple of days and some people might be thinking, why on earth were you on holidays if you're financially struggling? We were in Noosa for a couple of days, which was, you know, bought a while ago before we're in a, you know, tough financial situation and then we're, you know, away at my dad's place. So we're staying for free. And we'd one day just been to the gym and, you know, about to play some table tennis and I just felt really emotional and I had, I had a proper cry for about 20 minutes with Soph and I was like far out, like the financial stress was really getting on top of my mind. It was, it was crushing my spirit and I felt so challenged by what I love and what feels so purpose driven to me and was a little bit frustrated by why 
I was able to recognize so many other people in my space doing well who offer the value I feel that I offer and and wondering why I haven't had the chance to make it sustainable yet. And then even to, to go a little bit deeper, and this might be potentially off track, but I was sitting on this dinner table with my mum and Soph just a week ago and we're having dinner and speaking about parenthood. And my mum was speaking about the conflicting feelings she has on Mother's Day because on Mother's Day she gets to celebrate being the mum of two kids she loves dearly and is so proud of. On the other hand, it was just a day before Mother's Day that she found out I had CF. And so she said my first Mother's Day was spent in tears because I was so stressed about what the future looked like. And, you know, we got a little bit emotional and we spoke about those early years and the amount of work that her and my dad put into allowing me to be here and healthy. And as I got home, having had a really stressful day money-wise, I got really emotional with Soph and I was like, not only do I feel so connected to my purpose, but I can't give up on this, not just because I know it's something that has the potential to impact the world at large, but because everything my parents fought for, everything my family fought for, to give me the opportunity to be here doing what I'm doing today, is just another one of those reasons why I can't give up on this. I need to find a way. And so I think the first limiting belief would just be that... Can I pause you there? Sorry. Yeah. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you feel so strong, strongly about your purpose, that this is what you're supposed to be doing? Mm. I, I, I 100% do. And, you know, I think I have undeniable proof when I look at the last few years, the last three years in particular that I've pursued this, everything I've sacrificed from a financial standpoint, from a life standpoint to be here. Like I left a career that I was deemed to be moving forward in. I sold the first property that I owned. I've sacrificed $130,000 to be here and and I still love it. I still wake up in the morning, think about what's ahead of me and whenever it's connected to this purpose, I feel so inspired. The reason I ask you that is because you basically started with your limiting belief that purpose and financial success can't exist, but you've ended what you're saying, which feels more believable to me, that your purpose is the thing that you should 100% be doing right now. So it's almost a, a competition of which belief do you believe stronger? And the funny thing is, I sat there the other day and I looked at the calendar for the two weeks to come and I just booked an incredible gig, which is for a not-for-profit charity. And I booked another gig to speak at Parliament House. And I was sitting down for some incredible podcasts. I'd just come home from a gig at a local high school, which went incredibly well. And I sat down and I looked at my calendar in front of me and I was like, if it wasn't for the lack of finance right now, I would be living my dream life. And then I stopped myself and I said... I am living my dream life. <laughs> I love it. And it's it's money, it's the stress of money that's making me feel like that's not the case. Mm. That it's the stress of money that's, for me, failure to see that what I've worked towards for three years is now the life that I'm living. I've got an incredibly loving partner, I've got loving friends, family. I'm doing what I know I'm meant to be doing. Yep but it's money that's blinding me. 
and that's that's the the crux of it ultimately which belief holds more strength because if we look at the core belief self-fulfilling prophecy um whichever belief is held more strongly will probably dictate how you behave and then the results Mm. and then the beliefs reinforce so if you believe that this is exactly what you need to be doing and that this purpose is um and that you're on purpose if you believe that more strongly than the fact that you can't be financially successful doing this then i also believe that your financial success will be a byproduct of holding the core belief that this is exactly what you need to be doing because what you were able to do there outside of your financial success is look at the fucking beautiful life that you've curated based off of the belief that you're on purpose and doing what you need to do Mm. it's allowed you to fall in love it's allowed you to connect to thousands hundreds of thousands of people online offline through conversation the only thing which you feel like you might be um, falling short on is the finances so then what's the alternative lean towards finances and give up the rest which you did (laughs) 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 like lean towards finances compromise on the purpose and the belief that you're doing exactly what you need to be doing compromise on that lean towards finances and watch your world crumble like it did when you're in real estate and not on purpose Mm. it's like what's the alternative we can let the financial scarcity mindset gain a little bit of momentum and then become the core belief that i can't be on purpose and rich or and wealthy or you can identify it as just being like a thorn in your side and a a nuisance and an obstacle but it's not going to change the core belief yeah. Which I don't think it does And that's why I asked you Do you believe yeah. that this Is exactly what you need to be doing And you do So Remind yourself of that Definitely. That you're not gonna You're not gonna give up This beautiful life that you've created And sell out So to speak mm. To feel a little bit more comfy financially Because it doesn't It doesn't actually feel like a better yeah. life <laughs> Like mm. I've stayed quiet during this Because the two I mean beliefs I have for you Are pretty much exactly on that topic Yeah Well it'll be interesting to hear it When you say it in a minute The last thing I want to address Which is is less holds less weight now because I have someone who I know loves me for who I am, mm-hmm. for how I am, for the human being I am as opposed to the way I look or what I have. And it would just be around like that I have to be attractive to be loved or admired or looked to in high regard. Mm-hmm. And I think as a young kid... I was a fucking cute kid. You know, I recognized I was a cute kid. But as I hit puberty, you know, when you start to go through changes, my skin was really affected and I used to get really bad cystic acne and it used to crush my confidence. Like I was the most outgoing, confident character you'd meet and then I'd have, you know, cystic acne flare up and you wouldn't hear from me for a month. Like I would shell into my group of friends. I'd be quiet. And, you know, kids make comments without thinking about what their actions are going to do to someone else's feelings or belief systems. And, you know, that's that's part of being a teenager, unfortunately, for so many people. But my skin flared up so much that I would try to 
squeeze them. I try to cut them, lance them, and ultimately led to some scarring. And then, you know, like I've got pretty big teeth and it gives me a big smile, but at times I don't love the way that they look. And and there were so many things that come to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't love the way that my body looks. And I feel like a lot of my training is always catered to aesthetics. But because of that, I just get back into this negative loop of like, I need to run more to look better. And it's the reason I've actually started taking my garment off in the last two weeks and just running without it because I want to run for the feeling it gives me, not for what it does to my body. And and yes, I recognize that, you know, I don't want to be, you have to somewhat at a degree, like I'd say I'm a, I'm a healthy weight. I don't look like I'd want to look if I was sitting for a cover shoot of a magazine, but at the same time I'm healthy. And I think as long as you're in those healthy standards, you should be happy with with where you're at and even so i think for me just body image is a challenge whether it be my face or my physique but you know i've been on a few podcasts and what i do now is on camera or on stage in front of people and i find that when i look back at the videos or the photos i struggle with it so much i'm so fearful of what angle i'm going to get caught at how they're going to look than what the audience would have thought of me in that moment. And, you know, I was recently on a podcast called Life, Money and Love with Dylan Mullen. And it's two days after I'd done the 50K and there were bags under my eyes. I looked exhausted. I just had my head buzzed and you know, I didn't really like the way it looked and I hadn't shaved because I got up and was running a little bit late that morning. And that clip, one of the clips from that podcast done really well online and there were heaps of people celebrating what I said in the clip. <laughs> Nothing surer than a viral clip when you don't look your best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And or when you're crying your eyes out. And it must be nice to have a viral clip. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> and I'm looking at the comments and everyone's going, What a thoughtful young fella. Like to recognise what he's recognised in that moment. That's incredibly inspiring. And as I'm reading through those comments, the only thing I'm thinking is, God, I look bad. What mm. must those people think? They must think that, God, you can't be inspirational if you're that ugly. Wow. Or you can't be, you know, I can't admire, I wouldn't want to follow or take advice or, or find inspiration in what this guy is saying because of the way that he looks. Wow. And it's so, it's so weird because I'm at a place where I feel so loved at home and so you know, safe in vulnerability. And Soph tells me all the time that, you know, I love you so much. I think you're so attractive, all these things that your partner does to reaffirm your belief in yourself. But I struggle when it comes to work from that standpoint. I think that it's, I always feel like it's going to hold me back. Because it's that limiting belief. Yeah, and I you think... You can hear it, you can intellectualize, but it's the belief. The core belief is like you don't mm. believe Yeah, that you can be... You know, valued if you're not attractive. Mm. So that would be my say. Wow. Um, based off of that limiting belief there, Brad, it's interesting because um, I'm a filmmaker by trade, but outside of that, I've done quite a bit of modelling as well. So in an industry where it's based on, you know, standards of beauty, you'd be surprised at the amount of insecurity I hold when I'm being validated with money, with billboards and buses, with with my face on it, like, so I'm being told objectively, you're attractive, this is mm. what we want. 
but I'll still hold insecurities around certain angles, certain hairstyles, um, all of the things you mentioned, bags, pimples, and at large, the modeling industry, I would argue, has more insecurities throughout it when it's supposed to be the most beautiful people. Mm. Some of the people that I've met and speak about their struggles with um, insecurities with their beauty, and you're like, what? How? Like, what do you mean? So I'm not sure if it's if it's just a human a human well it is it's a very normal human thing to be insecure about looks when a society almost has a look based economy where it seems that the hottest people get the most attention get the most money it seems like that especially with social media but you know I'd push back and say that that is really not the case because looks aren't the determinant of value looks are fleeting because we're all going to get old Hmm. we could all fall victim to accident injury acne whatever it might be and yeah that belief is something that needs to be um eradicated really what's the reframe what's the cheat code to accepting your vulnerabilities or your insecurities i think exposure is one and i say exposure in the form of uh, you know, I'm mixed race, African-Australian. So as a minority in most situations growing up, there was a, um, it actually worked in my favour growing up because I guess it was kind of trendy to be like a, a black kid that was good at sports at school. It worked in my favour. All, um, all the stereotypes. All the stereotypes. <laughs> all the stereotypes. But I could see in family members of mine that, I've, it, I've seen him in speedos. Not all the stereotypes <laughs> are true. On. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Come on. Um, and so and so, family members of mine that it might not have served them being, you know, the minority black girl. It wasn't really as popular as being the minority black boy. Hmm. But to have the exposure that that's beautiful. When I went to Ghana, being the same body shape as me, as my, my family, like that was the majority. And it was the beautiful standard. And there was no ostracizing, there was no name calling, there was none of that because that was the beautiful standard. And it sounds a little bit silly, but I remember when I was um, growing up, like through puberty, I would always think, like, I've got really long arms and skinny long legs. None of my friends group had long arms and skinny long legs. And it was kind of like this, this body shape that wasn't, I didn't really have much exposure to other people that had this similar body shape. So I'd try to wear clothing that didn't really fit me, that, that was the cool clothing that my friends were wearing, but it just wasn't working for me. I couldn't find my place. And then one day I'm watching the NBA and the coolest of the cool guys are walking down that tunnel in these fashionable outfits that are accentuating their long legs. They're in these like clear cut, really clean cut tailored pants with a shirt tucked in. I didn't used to tuck my shirt in because it make my legs look longer. So I'd have to tuck my shirt in and sag my pants so it didn't make my legs look longer. Now I'm getting exposed to, damn, they're cool as shit. And they've got the same body shape as me, the body style as me. And then with that exposure, I was like, let me lean into that because I can never be short, stocky and jacked. I can be long, athletic and lean because that's me, that's my body shape. And just I guess it was that acceptance. That was the first thing. The self-acceptance that this is my body shape. This is what I was given. Hmm. But then the self-belief that actually like believe that this is like a, a good like body shape. I love it. 
And then the self-confidence. I fucking love my body now. It's like how to look good naked. Like I love that. Yeah. But it wasn't always that. It was always it was it was weird and confusing for a stage, especially through teenagehood. Being like, man, I got skinny legs, and now I celebrate. I'm like, yeah, my legs are skinny as shit. But guess what? They can run marathons. <laughs> I've run. I've done some awesome things on these skinny little legs, and that's what I was given. And I'm like, hell yeah, celebrate my my skinny legs, skinny long legs. <laughs> well, I think we see as human beings, we see confidence on the surface of an Instagram post, a TikTok. A, an athlete that's sitting on the cover of a magazine and we almost feel as though or think which is so weird and so foreign because we know ourselves we think and see that oh they must just be confident yeah they must how just they not be? have that swag because that's how they are or you know they must just walk around and feel confident all the time but like you said sometimes even in the industry of modeling and probably especially in the industry of modeling they feel that insecurity, they feel that shame, that lack of acceptance, that not enoughness, that narrative that I've seen and identified in me far too often. And yeah, forgetting that it's the ABCs and the A and the B becomes before the C. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, definitely I have to recognize that. Yep. I handed Maybe it something might help your mindset a little bit is the people that are giving you the criticism. These are probably people that aren't. Like you're accepting criticism from people that you don't admire, accepting criticism from anyone. Yeah, true. What do they say? Like or whoever is like, screw that guy. Anyway. What do they say? You'll never cop criticism from someone who's like truly living better than you. Yeah, yeah, living in a great space in their own life. It always comes from someone who feels that insecurity, feels that pain, probably more strongly than you do at times. People rarely punch down. That's what they say. Mm. So it's like, yeah, people rarely punch down. They're not. They're not targeting you because you're beneath them, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. Um, All right, well, I'll jump into the, the limiting beliefs that I have for Brad, which pretty much tie into very closely to what you're saying. So I reckon you have a, a limiting belief around your mindset towards business. You've mm. mentioned it before saying like you're very talented in your field where you work. I mean, you've said you've struggled to monetize it. And I believe that you have a limiting belief around your ability to monetize. Like you say that you're not good at business, but I believe that's kind of where it stops. If, as long as you have that belief, you're never going to progress at getting any better at business. So mm. simply changing that mindset doesn't make you good at business, but you're never going to progress while that mindset's prevalent in your mind. Mm. Agree. Yeah, that that definitely strikes a chord because I remember saying that to you at times before that I don't, which is so foreign because I was in real estate for four years, but <laughs> but I almost think that during that time I just recognize my success is not like being a highly skilled negotiator which is weird because if I look back at my results I was good at it but I almost just felt it was like my almost just the way that I was as a person I felt like just people just connected with me mm. it was more me thinking that people connected and felt my honesty as opposed to my skill set and just yeah I've never recognized myself as a good businessman yeah, there's a, a big difference between working for another company and fitting into a wheel that they've already got set up. You're a great negotiator, you're working there. And a big difference between creating your own from scratch, which is what you're doing. Mm, which is what you said too, I guess, with stepping out of a business and into your own work highlights those things that you find to be limiting beliefs. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. This reminds me of a quote. I'm probably going to butcher this, but I'll try it. The bigger, the bigger your dreams are, the more the universe will reflect back what you need to work on. Mm. Say that again. 
the bigger your dreams are, the more the universe will reflect back what you need to work on. Yeah. So like trying to trying to start my own business, like all all the stuff that's come to the surface is basically my limiting beliefs around myself personally. It's not even to really to do with business. It's my own limiting beliefs inside of me. But I hadn't put myself in a situation where I was stressed enough that they never come out. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point you made there, Foons. Never stressed enough for them to come out. Through the Ned 10 challenge, which I won't go into context for. If you understand, you understand. But through self-reflection every day when I was doing those videos and having those conversation points, one thing I asked myself is, what kind of man am I when I'm stressed, tired, challenged, when I'm facing adversity? Because it's easy to be the kind of human being or the kind of for me man I want to be when things are going well mm -hmm. because it's easy to live on your values then. It's like, who are you when shit hits the fan? And the I think, true you. Yeah, and I think that's the stress of going out. And funnily enough, you know, we can all somewhat connect on that because we're all self-employed. Mm. Yep. Now, I love that reflecting on yeah what's the true you mm. your true character is um is highlighted not in your best moments really it's easy mm. to be awesome then i think in the last dance michael jordan says it's easy to talk shit when you're winning talk shit when you're losing <laughs> 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 which kind of sums that up like who, who what person are you when you're stressed yeah, yeah definitely i appreciate that and things. then the second one i had is your this is something that you're working on now, but I just want to reiterate that you are doing a great job at this and I think you have come a long way, but I think you need to keep going down the path that you're going is your rigidity to how it should, how you being a podcaster should look. Like I think mm. you're so focused on the one prize, which you should be. You have to be if you want to be successful. But the perspective that I want to put in your head is to have bifocal vision. So that means mm. one eye on the prize, which is you want to be the biggest podcaster ever, but then the other eye on the horizon scanning for opportunities if you're so focused on being just a podcaster, you're going to miss all the other opportunities that come up on the horizon because rich people very rarely get rich the exact way that they they set out to be. Yeah, okay. Successful people very rarely get mm. successful the exact way they intend to set out. So your original goal doesn't have to change, but just be open to other other opportunities that come up on the horizon. Malleable to, yeah. to shifting and being flexible. I receive that because it's funny you saying that because I, when I reflect back on my purpose, it's to uplift and inspire hope in others through story, not through podcasting. And I think, I think as human beings, and that this isn't saying that I'm going to quit because I love doing this, but you know, I heard Stephen Bartlett say once that there's no shame in quitting. Sometimes it takes skill to quit at the right time or to accept another opportunity or pivot in another direction at the right time. And I think for me, it comes back to story. Like I love storytelling, whether it's doing podcasting differently. You know, like we sat down, you know, the format of us three mates sitting down and me not interviewing a guest became the biggest episode in history for me when we done our first one and read our eulogies. And so I think, yeah, you're right, Foons. I need to be more fluid in the way moving forward, stay resolute in my actions and moving towards recognizing and, and living that life on purpose but being fluid to what it looks like yeah opportunity is going to come up on the horizon but if you're so focused on one one outcome of how your, your perfect life should look you're going to miss all the opportunities that come mm. up on the horizon so just be more open and accepting to them when they pop up yeah i love that i appreciate it cool my turn all right 
here. So Bradley, I believe one of your limiting beliefs, Brad, is that you are forever in debt to your parents for basically loving you unconditionally and as mm. they should um, love their children. I feel like you hold this belief that you can never fully repay them for the life that they've allowed you. And with that comes a lot of responsibility and a lot of burden. And what Fooney was mentioning before around it's inherently a really good thing. It seems really great, you know, to have this honest and pure motivation that you want to give back to the people that have given you so much. I feel like where it might become limiting is where you feel like it's an owed debt. And again, I'm open to, to being wrong. But I feel like there shouldn't be pressure around um, living a certain life in order to pay back that debt. It should just be a gratitude, like really, really based in just gratitude. And I'm doing this not just for them in order to show them that they made the right choice by walking out of that doctor's room, that they made the right choice in in sacrificing so much for me. I needed to show them. I needed to show them because they love you regardless and unconditionally. So the debt might not ever be paid, but that doesn't directly um, link with your value, you know, because when you stumble to think that you've not just failed you, that you failed your parents, that you failed your sister, that you failed these people that you feel like you owe a debt to that's a big burn to hold because mm. we will fail and to be honest i haven't really seen you fail <laughs> like you you've really used this belief to, to for so much good in your world mm. um i would just hate for it to ever manifest in a limiting way where it um it defines you to a point where it becomes heavy and it doesn't become sustainable and it becomes a burden so just saying that um this is ultimately a debt that cannot be paid in full and whilst closely can be masked as gratitude when it introduces stress or creates unhealthy habits, it might be a limiting belief. That isn't necessarily serving you, but that could be reframed to not owing them, but owing it to yourself to make the most of the gifts that you've been that you've received as it takes away the burden of responsibility to the responsibility to the one who's forever in debt. I'm not sure what I meant when I wrote that, but it didn't make any sense. So the goal is not to remove the limiting belief to the point that it no longer exists, but maybe just be aware and reframe it that the debt isn't owed to them. The debt is owed to yourself, as it is all of us, that we need to use the gifts that we've ha we've been given with gratitude. And um, yeah. yeah. I just want to say, articulate that very well. Not only did you identify something, but you also posed a way that you think it could be done better. And before Brad even speaks, I know that's going to hit a nerve for him. Definitely. But what you don't realise, Joey, is that was one of the things that we spoke about. I don't even know if you remember this, Foons. That was one of the things that we spoke about when we first discussed these limiting beliefs we've seen in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because it was that week that I'd received a letter to say that I'd been nominated for an award at Government House. And I said to Foons that I almost felt like an imposter because I recognised that the good that I was being celebrated for and the good that I've been nominated for and in inspiring a community through my actions with 42 for CF and 
through my speaking and podcasting was the result of the opportunity in the life that my parents had given me and part of me felt terrible and so selfish to go down and accept an award that I felt like they should have been given right. and I remember speaking to Foons about it and I fuck, I'm going to get emotional here yeah. so I I left that coffee that day and I went straight to the post office and I bought these three cards and I wrote three gratitude letters to my family and I spoke about that in the gratitude letter that I'm about to potentially win an award and, you know, just even with nomination, I've been recognized for the good that I've done but it's only because of you and I feel like you should be there with me to accept this award. And I remember my dad said to me that for us, the greatest reward we can ever receive is seeing you living life without limitation to be doing what you're doing. And because of that reason, I chose to get a government house by myself because I thought I need to see myself stand there on stage i need to be there and be present and accept that award and be thankful for it mm -hmm. and to recognize that i've played a part in this that at a certain point in time their efforts as parents sort of handed the baton over to me and now i'm in control of the way that i move forward Absolutely. but it has definitely been a limiting belief and i and i feel so much and, and I do feel so much debt to them because, you know, even just saying like I was sitting here the other night with mom and I went home and I was so emotional because I was like, how on earth can I be selfish and feel like this is about me when it's about so much more, but it has to be about me, right? Like yeah. it's a life I'm living now and, and it's my actions that dictate my results. So yeah, I fully receive what, you've said there and and there's so much work i need to do on that and mm. i think i think also i just i feel like you know even just in the last couple of months this is really the first time in my life i've you know i've gone to melbourne before and been super independent you know when i moved away from family but this is the first real period of my life is last four months but in particular this last two months where you know soph and i are now living in our place by ourselves and Dad's moved away and, you know, we're here in mum's house shooting at the moment. She's here. My sister's in, you know, Shell Harbour. And the fact that you know, I feel like I'm really taking independent steps in my life and I almost feel like I've stepped into my role as a man. Mm. And with that, I almost feel guilt, like a little bit guilty for that. Yeah, okay. Like I feel like my whole life... That's why I've always... I always struggled as a, and I always lived in this scarcity mindset. Whilst I was always really positive about my health and what my future looked like, I remember being, being in my teens and like my mates were going somewhere or doing something and I just always chose to be with my family instead. And that was because I love my family and I get on so good with my family, but I used, used to always think, I remember being 16 and thinking, what happens if one day I don't get this? Like what happens if for some reason... My CF robs me of more of this. Can't miss that opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
And I think I always lived in a bit of a lack mindset and felt like I had to hold on to that. I had to hold on to my youth a little bit. And I think stepping into, you know, my adult life, stepping into manhood has challenged me in that sense, you know, to to let go of my family a little bit as I move forward and create my own. And understanding that that independence and that even that pride in the the part that you've played in the life you have now, being proud of that doesn't take away from the pure gratitude that you have for the life that your parents allowed for you as well. Mm. doesn't diminish it just because you can be proud of yourself and not feel like an imposter when you're receiving accolades for things that you've done i think if anything it feeds into it like your parents want to see you happy and prosper mm. definitely and just the, the yeah i feel like the weight of that debt is where it might become limiting mm. um but the nature of absolutely it blows my mind like what my mum has done for me and my family you know has a single full-time working full-time studying raising three children on her own i'm like i can never repay that like but i'm just able to get to a point where i i love her for it and i'm so grateful for it but i don't feel like um a heavy debt that i can't pay back i just feel like so so grateful that she was the mum i got given do you know what Mm, i mean for sure Um, grateful that you got to live in the presence of superwoman (laughs) yeah well yeah really um so yeah i think that's Maybe an, uh, a limiting belief that I would have identified in you. I appreciate that so much, boys. That's yeah, so aligned with what I feel is our challenges in my own behaviour and in my life. I think Thank like you. Subconsciously, already knew that, but I think it's good that just we reiterated it. Mm. Oh, so, and sometimes you just need to rehear it. You know what I mean? Like there's power in that. It's like when you hear, you know, when you're listening to a song or watching a movie and you hear a line that strikes a chord. Like sometimes hearing it from a different perspective that allows you to see it in a different way. Yeah, definitely. So... Oh, I'll hand over to Joey. I will say quickly before we hand over to Joey... <laughs> you jump the gun. <laughs> one, hour into, one, one hour 16 into this, we, as we set up, said, <laughs> let's try and keep this an hour. But if you're here, we're not fucking leaving. <laughs> Shout out to Jack Jones from, from um, Active Boys. He calls me Joey Motormouth. So <laughs> I feel like if we're trying to limit ourselves to chats... You got the wrong blokes. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're here for the long haul. So, yeah, Joey, over to you. Alrighty. Um, again, much like Brad, but not really unlike Ty, I struggled with identifying my own limiting beliefs. I probably would have liked to spend a bit more time in them. Um, and some of them I think I've identified. They still exist, but I've identified them and trying to work through. But the first limiting belief that I've identified in myself is... The limiting belief that I need to be liked in order to be myself or accepted, I suppose. So would that be just to to get my head around that so I understand where you're coming from? Would that be almost seeking the validation from the outside before awarding yourself the acceptance on the inside i I do think so i think it's it's way too closely related for my liking that if it's not accepted praised patted on the back for the things that i do 
then it's still good and valuable and worthwhile. And that, to me, shows up not just in my work, being like, oh, well, I hope this is received well, I hope it gets the, the views. It's not, it's not just received in the way I portray myself in the world with fashion. I hope people think it's cool. I hope people um, commend me for being funky or fashionable. But it also shows up, um, I guess, in the way I interact with friends and, and people and everyone, wanting to be the guy that opens the door for the lady so that he gets the compliment of opening the door, wanting to be the happy, nice guy so that he is liked and he's likable and he's a good person to be around. Because if I'm not liked, then maybe I'm doing something wrong. But again, being liked puts the control in the hands of another person mm. because it's something, again, I've, I think identified it as a really positive trait growing up, likability. Like I can, I can confidently say I could be in a room full of 60-year-old investors talking about personal finance or I could equally be in a housing commission estate playing basketball with some, um, some people, some young teenagers and I feel like I could mould and chameleon myself enough to be liked in both situations and then be like, okay, cool, I'm doing good because I'm liked by everyone. Not many people in my life have not liked me. But where it becomes limiting for me is that it might stop me from having my fullest expressions in authenticity and integrity and honesty because I'm too concerned about it being received and liked well than it being me expressing just me because this is me in my fullest expression. And so I've, I have like a little bit of a, I guess, a, a mission statement or a purpose statement for me, which is about living a life in integrity in my fullest, most authentic expression. So it's kind of vague, but it's almost attacking things being like, to my core, is this me being authentic and, in, and living with integrity? It contradicts, this limiting belief contradicts that purpose because it allows room for other people's validation to be whether mm. I'm living it authentically or not. Because there um, could be things that me where, where I'm living authentically, but it's not liked. Am I able to do both or is it limi limiting me being my fullest expression of myself because it might not get, it might make people uncomfortable, it might not get the accolades, it might not get received well. And that's something I wrestle with being like, well, you know, are people going to like it? Are people going to like me? Mm. Um, I think, can I jump in there? Do, From an do. evolutionary standpoint, likability, well, from an evolutionary standpoint, we lived in, inside the box of survival that was our headspace our desire every day to survive the risks challenges threat of the outside mm -hmm. which then means that likability connection to a mate connection to a tribe aka protection allows us to survive but in modern society we are allowed to and have to give permission to ourselves to step outside of the box and think less of survival and more of how do I thrive? Mm -hmm. It's less survive, more thrive in modern society. And I think it's that evolutionary mindset 
that requires likability mm-hmm. that so many of us fall victim to that I, I like that you say that you know you turn it into survivability because as I reflected on where this you know this trait of likability became so valuable to me was maybe you know as a young brown boy I grew up in a small country town um, just south of Goulburn and I vividly remember one encounter I had with a kid on the playground and kids on the playground can be cruel like you were saying kids on the playground giving you shit about your looks ultimately I had the same experience where it was I can't trade Pokemon cards with you because you're black full stop and this to me was something which I'd never really up until you know eight or nine years old I'd be like I'm black what do you mean I'm black I'm just a kid at the same school as you until it was identified that I can't trade cards with you because you're black so that became like well i can't change my blackness but what how can i still survive socially here and i don't know if that i guess it has has created this um this need for me to be capable in all areas because if you don't like me for this well you're going to like me because i'm awesome at sport or that i can um or that i have good fashion or that i'm able to talk to you about this topic or that i'm um, able to hold space for you here so it's a likability to survive being like you know socially mm. you know i'm always i've realized that and i had a conversation with my partner the other day in many situations i'm the minority walking into the room in australia really long tattoo oh, sorry long tattoos long dreadlocks tattoos half african half australian there's prejudices that i know exist inherently when i walk in certain rooms and especially maybe from older generations. Um, and I've welcomed that because it gives me the opportunity to win them over and be liked. So let me be the, the kind of rugged looking urban black boy. But by the time I leave that conversation, I'm getting the job or I'm winning the interview. Mm. I'm win- oh, he's actually, wow, he's really well spoken. He's nice. So it's almost like proving myself enough to be liked, getting that little tick and that validation. Oh, so-and-so said you're a really lovely boy why i could have just expressed myself authentically and not had to need that like how would you feel walking out of the room if you didn't get that validation would you still look at yourself like you're complete or would that put a that's what i mean it, it, I, feel like, armor? I feel like i had it, it would have too much of an effect i'd be like well, why i'd have to repair it i'd be like well, wait a minute what did, what did i do wrong to not be accepted by that person maybe i didn't do anything wrong maybe it's their shit Maybe me being me wasn't enough to make them like me or was different in the way that they want to relate to people. That's fine. But do I fully believe that? I'm working on it. Because, like I said, every now and then there will be something that comes up where I'm like, I feel like I'm not liked or a behaviour I do is not liked or a conversation I have is not liked. Even doing the podcast, I hope people don't think that I'm a... Uh, like a misogynist talking about masculinity i hope it's liked but i'm really wrestling because i'm i know what i believe more is that i want to express authentically and with integrity Hmm. but doesn't mean that this little likability limiting belief pops in so can i say one thing i'll offer you in in form of encouragement is to at that really impressionable young age hear the comment i can't trade pokemon cards with you because you're black would have a reaction or would encourage a reaction 
in one of two ways from most people. And I think most people in that moment hearing those words would retreat, retreat from the light, step back, be seen less, be heard less, try to blend into the surrounds as opposed to what you did, which was step into the light and step further into full expression and try to win over the room. So I'd encourage you in the sense that you weren't discouraged by that, but you were motivated to to win over, to step into the light, to challenge yourself because it takes courage to step outside of and win over the room. Mm. But then you said just identifying for what reason you step into expression mm. and being authentic with expression is where that could potentially go wrong. Exactly. So I'd encourage you for not retreating. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, I think it, I think that's the, the work for me, which is like identifying where it compromises my authenticity because I can be well-liked and authentic in a lot of areas and that's fine. Mm. You know? Likeability, like you said, is a good, a good trait. But if it means that I'm compromising myself, then it's now limiting me. So identifying that. And I think when it comes to likability, what I'm learning from what I said about my own limiting beliefs and from what I'm hearing from you, Joey, is you've got to like the person looking back at you in the mirror. Mm. And that's that authenticity piece. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think really well said. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Easier said than done, but I'd just say double down on yourself. Mm. Mm. And that's where I think um, a lot of the work that I do around my own personal development and um, because I do, I do love myself and I do think that I've, I walk with integrity and authenticity. Um, And that's something that I guess if we had this conversation around limiting beliefs three, four years ago, I might have struggled to even identify that some of my behaviours were rooted in likability or validation. Um, Living on autopilot. Living on autopilot. But now that I have done and started this journey of looking into myself and trying to be the best man that I can be, I have a lot of pride in that. So that's why identifying a new core limiting belief was a little bit difficult, but I can still see how that shows up and likability shows up in, in my life. But I would argue it's, it's not a core belief, not more than I believe being authentic and honest is, mm. is the way that I should move through the world. Is there anything else that popped up for you personally? We had one. There was one around, um, again, and... and I can contextualize this and we hear it all the time that failure is good and necessary but part of me still shies away from failure so much that it must be a limiting belief that failure is bad whether it's in business whether it's in relationship whether it's in I think we get taught that from a very young age at school like failing a test is bad you yeah. failed but you then, feel ashamed for failure but then you you look at anyone who's successful and they're like, fail fast and fail often because the more you fail, the more you learn. The more you learn, the more you grow. The more you grow, the better you'll be. And I can intellectualize that. I can say it. But this morning, I, I was sparring in jiu-jitsu and I got submitted a few times. And my brain tells me I failed and that role was, was bad and that I didn't succeed in that role. But next time I go and grapple, if I can take the lessons from that quote-unquote failure, then I should be better but why do we still get bash ourselves over these failures or these even like failure in anything 
I still can't fully believe that, fuck yeah, I failed. Let's go. <laughs> Keep them coming. Because I, I know I need these failures and they're so necessary. Like, that's the belief which I can intellectualize, but I can't just fully believe it when the failure happens. I still am like, fuck, Joe. You failed at this, man. You failed at this. But in saying that, I can redeem my failures quite well where I can go, okay, we failed. You might believe that it's bad, but let's just still behave in a way that is good, work through it. But um, I think where that maybe limits me in my life as well is that having the belief that failure is bad means that when people I love um, fail me or make mistakes by me, I tend to associate associate that as, as a bad thing. And it's hard for me to not take it personally, not see it as an opportunity for growth. I, I get hurt by the failure as opposed to when I fail myself, I go, okay, we can use mm. this and move through it. But when I feel hard done by or failed by other people, it's, um, it's, it's a, a difficult thing for me to see in the same light. And it becomes, um, yeah, limiting. It hurts and it creates trauma and, mm. and, um, the people who might have done wrong by me, they really feel it and it's, yeah, it doesn't feel serving anymore. I would argue that failure only exists in the realm in which you leave or stop actively pursuing the thing you failed at. Like, you think about it. Can you really fail in something that you rock up to do again tomorrow? Second chance, baby. Giving giving yourself another chance at... Not failing, so yeah, yeah, probably not. You know, and I think I heard Kobe Bryant say that. Like, what's failure if you're still he- here with a fighting chance? Yeah, true. Like, what's failure if you get the opportunity to to redefine or or give effort to what tomorrow looks like? Mm. All bets are still on. And I think you have to get comfortable with failure being a learning if you choose that, okay, well, I've been trying this podcasting for five years and it hasn't worked out the way that I want. Maybe it is time to reconsider what this purpose and passion looks like for me and potentially there you take the learnings and you walk that into your new life but mm-hmm. you know if you're going to get on the mats again tomorrow or monday or whenever it is mm-hmm. you're still here yeah you're still fighting you still got a chance tell that to joe two hours ago when i was like fucking hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've, I've lost this role i've failed it you know so i can contextualize that the failure is good the failure is great but it still hits me to a point where I'm like, ah, it's limiting me. It's ruined half the day because I've, I've failed at that thing or, I, you know. Well, um, tell that to the Brad who's at a Spotify event on Thursday night and people are talking about numbers. Mm. And I feel like far out. If I sit in here about someone who's got 10 and a half million listeners, I'm failing. Mm. But here we are again behind Still the mics. The game, and, and, you know, <laughs> but, but I recognise that exactly what you're saying in the moment. It's hard to to hold the higher view, mm. to take the higher road with yourself. Mm. It's like we said, realizing is one thing, actioning and living true to that understanding is another. And I think the limit in the belief becomes like when it defines you. So I know my failure in the role this morning or my failure in whatever it might be. I don't feel like I'm defined by that. Mm. But then when someone fails me, I feel like I define them by that failure a little bit well, you failed me and what you did was bad. And yeah, I almost don't show the same grace. So yeah, it's, and I know there's layers to that, but I'd like to try to extend that failure as a bad thing to not just accepting anything that's done wrong, but 
really like introducing the idea that this is a growth opportunity for the ones that I love and the ones that love me. The, f- the seeming failure isn't that, and I'm not going to define you by that failure. If I if I honestly know that there was no malice or malintention in it, let me see the failure as something that I don't need to define you by. I, I'd say, well, I'll ask you this question and just tell me whether this feels accurate. Later Would you on. say that failure failure is harder for you to grapple with where it's out of your control because to me it sounds like you don't allow failure to define you in, define you in the areas of your life in which you control your effort but in the areas in which you have to cede control to someone else be it someone in your life who could potentially fail you that failure hits hard absolutely absolutely it almost sounds silly saying it out loud because it's like <laughs> i can't control that I can't control that, um, but it definitely holds more weight. It sounds silly, but it's relatable to all of us because yeah. there's so many areas in my life where I completely get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a couple of my limiting beliefs. The floor Foons. is yours, gentlemen. Foons, you can open it up. All right. So this one for you, I don't know if it's going to hit 100%, if it's going to hit or not, but I'm willing to be wrong for the chance that I'm right. Take aim, baby. Take aim. <laughs> so I think you're a very humble person and being humble is a noble trait. But I think your humbleness might impose a glass ceiling on how successful you can be. Have your humble beginnings impose a glass ceiling on how successful you can be. For the people that are listening to this and not and not watching and don't see how attractive Joey is, <laughs> no, like my my thing is why why aren't you modelling for Calvin Klein? Why aren't you shooting videos for Drake? Like I want you to shoot for the stars. I want to see Joey grabbing the bull by the horns. I want to see horny Joey. I want to see toey Joey. I want to see you shoot for the stars. Before you answer this. I can't believe how aligned that is with what I've written, almost in similar words. And so I want to read mine so we can double down on this and then hear your response because I I feel like, Foons, we've... I sat and really thought about this and the same thing. I was like, I don't know how it's going to hit, but hearing you say it, I just felt like I need to repeat it. And so, Joey, I've written... I think you're doing your looks a disservice by not modelling for Calvin Klein. You're doing good. I want to see you do great. I, f- I feel and align with that so much, Foon. So I've written, Joey, you don't recognize the value that others see in you. I feel as though you aim your sight at sustainable targets and settle for close enoughs and on targets instead of reaching for the stars and setting your sights on the bull's eyes that may feel distant. I've always said it. <laughs> in what world does Joey Plum not have a million Instagram followers? And I don't know a human that's cooler, has more class and the variety of talent that you do. And I just double down on what you say there, Foons, because... That's the one-two punch. Bang, bang. It it blows my mind what you're capable of. And you see these little specks of it as you do things. And you see what you are, as Foons said, so humble about. That to me is, I think if I was you, I would be ripping down barriers. I would be... (laughs) Man, if I was you, I'd be fucking Spider-Man slinging from level to level instead of taking the lift or the stairs. Yeah, okay. And I almost feel like at times you don't even press the button to take the lift to the next level. Use those long arms. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, we've spoken about before being content with where we're at in life and and I think amen to that. Mm. But I think you can be content with where you're at. You can look at what you have and how far you've come and, and feel proud of that. But... But man, I, I see so much potential in you. It's not even funny. Untapped. Yeah. 
Well, I really appreciate that, boys. Like, that's. Well, the reason I said why well, I don't know if this will hit or not because you could say I'm content with a, a normal life and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But just from my perspective, I can see you have so much more potential that hasn't been tapped. So, from I want to push you in a direction that I think is ethical that you can achieve greatness, like shoot for the stars. Yeah. I think like those words are really touching and it's interesting to hear because I. I feel like I am reaching, but I'm also super happy with the life I've created for myself. And this is where I ask myself the question, well, what does modeling for Calvin Klein require of me? Does it mean that I need to, you know, in order to get to that stature or what does shooting a, a $300,000 music video require of me to quote unquote be hitting the next levels and, and being up there and fulfilling my potential well it would require of me certain things which I might not really value might not want to do so for me the feeling of freedom the feeling of being um, self-sustained and independent I have now and through my work and through the way that I live. And I feel really proud of what I've done through, you know, filmmaking yeah, you should and modeling proud. for the last, you know, 10 years and being able to go like, I'm a self-made man. But at the start of this year, towards the end of last year, I did start to have this feeling of like, all right, I want to, um, I want to reach a bit higher. You know, I'm 28. It's like, let me, let me hit the next level to have, have a bit more of a um just like hit the next level but to me that looked at well, maybe i want to own a house the idea of owning a house to me was like completely off the table and again my upbringing we never owned any any property renting week to week and so i've started to challenge these ideas that no hey i can be successful enough to own a house mm. and i'll put this little financial goal on my on my board of fifty thousand dollars savings by the end of the year I'm like, there's not a chance I'm getting there. But initially, I had $20,000 savings by the end of the year. And then we're sitting here, it's like, 20 seems achievable. Double it. And some. And it felt silly trying to reach that high. But I just put it there anyway. So that's actually been a, a little bit of a practice for me being like, I'm so happy where I'm at. And I'm content. But maybe that contentment's comfort. And maybe I have more to give and more to offer and more to be. Um, and hopefully living honestly and authentically can take me there. But I might need to give myself a little kick in the ass based off what you guys are saying. Like, maybe I, I'd, yeah, maybe I need to push and fulfill a little bit more potential. But it's really touching to hear your words, boys. That's really, and That's really why when I said it, I was like, I don't know if this is going to hit 100%. So I want to see how it was received from you. But as you are saying before, what's it going to take for you to be, say, a Calvin Klein model, to use that for an example. Mm. It's going to take for you to put yourself out there more and the chance that you're not going to be liked by some people as well. So maybe mm. your resistance to push yourself out there more is because your limiting beliefs are holding you back. That that resonates for sure. Because if I think about even professionally with my film work, I've had these plans to do a spec ad, which is just like a speculative commercial that I make off my own bat to basically push forward to the industry to go, here's my work. Um, and then it should usually help you get more work and better work. Here's what I'm capable of. The way that I've prolonged doing that spec ad 
Because deep down, I'm like, well, what if it's not good enough? What if it's not liked? What if it's a reflection of where I'm not, at, I'm not actually at the level that I think I'm at? And I guess that is diminishing my potential because I have done work that people have really found valuable. Mm. But what if I do this bit of work and it's not liked? Well, I guess I'll just hold it off until I'm ready to do it, until I know that it'll be liked and received well. Why don't I just do it because it's authentically what I want to do? That's why this point came Limiting to mind belief. for me. Achieved. <laughs> well, that, yeah. That's why this thought come forward to me and that's why I addressed it from you because I remember you talking to me about that spec ad mm. and searching for a subject to create that ad on a year ago. Yeah. And, and you know, you said there that you're content and happy with the freedoms that you have, but I'd argue that, and, and like we said, this may not hit, but I'd argue that the difference between you shooting what you shoot now and the effort you give to it as, you know, a creator that takes pride in his work, not much changes between you shooting a video for Drake. The only difference is you work with a bigger budget. Mm inside the same realm of creating something you're proud of and and yeah for sure you might put the video out with drake to the world and you don't feel any different to what you feel when you make for an aussie creator that you love but you don't know until you challenge yourself to go there mm. and i've definitely looked at I, I see this in myself sometimes you know i can talk about like i think about how long i talked about my first marathon effort for because maybe I was scared to try the next thing or I was scared to push for the PB or someone would say, I still remember after my second marathon, someone would say, oh, what's your marathon time? And I'd tell them my marathon PB from the year before because I fell short of it the next year. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we allow ourselves to live in the happiness of a moment we've already experienced or touched because we're fearful of what the next experience could look like is if it falls short of our expectations but then it just comes back to well if your purpose is connected to your values and your self-esteem is connected to your values then you don't get wrapped up in the human doing mm. but it shouldn't stop the human doing from moving forward mm. yeah interesting food for thought um yeah i didn't really feel like i was selling myself short but I mean, I'm a, I'm a young, ambitious, hungry man that maybe can pull the trigger a bit more. Because hmm. um, I thought I was pulling it, pulling it, but I know, I know I've got more to give, a lot more to give, and why not? And I, I wouldn't say that if I didn't truly believe that I think you could achieve more than you are. Like, you're doing good, as I said, but I want to see you do great. Put yourself out there more. I love it, man. I Amen appreciate that. it. Bro. appreciate it, guys. Is that it, Finns? Wow. An hour 45. Didn't we stay within the guidelines? Yeah. <laughs> um, Didn't we fail that test? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be back. We'll yeah. be back. Um, boys, I want to say... It's a two-parter. For me, that was my favourite episode with the two of you yet. I feel as though, you know, just there was, there was so much there from a, a vulnerable standpoint that, you know, it's even vulnerable, not even just to connect with yourself, but to bring up those topics, be it about your mate. Like you said, Foons, that comes with that little lump in your throat when you're ready to say it because you want it to be received well but there was so much beauty for me in that exercise in what I received from you both and the encouragement but even for me Foons I think it's the most I've seen you open up in the in the three episodes thus far and 
you know, you, I think you started today's chat in such a beautiful way. It was so deep and so honest and real. And, you know, Joey, just with what you connected with, with that likability feels so relatable for so many people, people who will be listening to or watching this. And so I want to thank both of you guys, because for me, this has been hugely rewarding to have this conversation. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And um, thanks, Foons, for taking charge with this, this week's theme. This has been super valuable. Lots for me to think about for sure. Something I definitely say, like I want to be more vulnerable in life. And then the first two episodes, I could feel myself like wanting to say stuff, but I was too scared. Okay. But this one, I felt like I loosened up a little bit more. And like, I just want to keep continuing to do this in life because I think there's so much power in vulnerability. Yeah. Mm. I love it, man. Well, um, yeah. Grateful to be um, here sharing the space with both of you boys. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened for this long, watched for this long. We're excited to keep doing this and, you know, we've all brought a topic forward and we'll continue to do that. But as Foons mentioned last week, if anyone's feeling like there's a lump in their throat or something that's holding them back from discussion and open free discussion with their friends that you'd like us to maybe create a place for, yeah, um, allow us to lead the way. So throw us some topics, thoughts, suggestions in. There'll be a poll on this episode that you can engage with um, to let us know maybe any thoughts or feelings you have. But thank you so much, as always, for supporting the show. Um, It's a lot to talk about, so I'm sure there'll be many more topics brought to the surface and brought to the light in weeks to come. I hope so. Thank you. Take it easy.